Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we are continuing the trend, the, the episodes with up-and-coming and really powerful educators all across the globe. And today is really special because I've had a few people on recently in this same genre, and it's something that I really enjoy because... It's a genre that I'm into and a space where I'm trying to create content in a similar way for mathematics. And the gentleman that I have on today, his name is Tom McFadden, but if you are a fan of science and YouTube channels all about science, you may know him or his channel as Science with Tom. And Tom's been doing some amazing things. He was the recipient of a Fulbright Scholar. He was also the course associate in the human biology program at Stanford, and he's doing incredible, incredible things. Uh, one of his big initiatives is how to show teachers how to really embrace the next generation science standards, which I don't know too much about, but I will definitely have him talk about it. And one of the coolest things that he's done, or some of the coolest things, in my opinion, that he's done is he's put together all these amazing science-based music videos and somewhere he's rapping, but also I've seen somewhere he's involved his students and the production quality is amazing. I mean, he's really taken it to another level. He's even had a chance. I saw one of his videos where uh, he met a, a famous rapper. Ooh, the, the name of the rapper is is, uh, is leaving my mind right now, but I'll have him tell you about it. It was awesome. It was on the Meredith Show. Uh, so anyways. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So without further ado, Tom McFadden, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? Great Good. to be here. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. And yeah, so what, what, I'm blanking on his name now. He's a hugely famous rapper. Lil, Lil John. Lil, Lil John. John. Yeah. All right. So exactly. You met, <laughs> you met Lil John. That's all. It was so cool. And for those of you guys, of course, who want to check out his YouTube channel, we're going to put all that stuff. We're going to talk about it in the show. It will also be in the show notes that you can check out at scalarlearning.com. So that will all be there for you. But first, so Tom, tell us about your background and how you began teaching, when you began teaching science in the classroom. Yeah, well, um, let's see. I've always been a science nerd and a hip-hop nerd. And so my first job straight out of college was this uh, course associate position for biology classes at Stanford. And I'd, I'd come fresh off a of summer camp where I'd been doing a lot of performing. Um, I had always loved, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy, had the music videos at the end. I was a big fan of Weird Al growing up, too. So it kind of actually felt like the most obvious thing in the world to make, you know, parody songs for my students um, when I was uh, TAing those classes. And so um, that was my first foray into education. That was my first foray into really thinking about, like, what kids need to learn, what gets them excited. And it was my first foray into kind of discovering this creative outlet for myself as a human being. I, I'd been so caught up in school. I didn't really have a creative outlet. Um, and so making these videos, which started out very low quality, uh, but got, got a little bit of love from the students and then eventually love from the media, 
um, kind of set me on this path towards towards fusing these passions that I had for for music, science, and education. So I can definitely relate to that as well because I felt like I haven't had a creative outlet for a long time, and so now actually the the selfish part of me making math music videos is that I get to explore that side again, which is super super fun. So I can totally. Uh, relate to that and tell me about a little bit you had a thesis that was related to rap music can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so after uh after that stanford job i went to new zealand for a couple of years and i did a master's in science communication because i was really kind of interested in uh both the world of you know hardcore science research and i was interested in education and i looked at science communication a field that i had not heard of previously i looked at that as a way to kind of thread the needle in between those two things um, and what that really means is, is, you know, educating the world about science, but not limiting it just to the classroom. Um, but I always had a little bit of an education bent anyway. And so my research ended up being specifically about how to use science content songs in middle school science classrooms. And so I kind of tried to apply some of my scientific method training. I tried to do a, a randomized control trial at these schools in New Zealand where half the kids got the fossil rock anthem, like party rock anthem, but about fossils music video. And then the other half just got like straight information. Um, and then I, you know, tested to see how much content they retained right afterwards and like a month later. And uh, as you might imagine, like, trying to apply rigorous scientific methodology in education is pretty tricky. And uh, so I learned a lot about research. Uh, in terms of the results of that study, uh, I, I basically concluded I'd like to do it again if I could um, with, with, you know, bigger numbers and everything. But the kind of tentative results that I, that I took away based on the data were that the right immediately after seeing a music video – uh, since learned maybe the same amount of information, maybe a little bit less in terms of the content acquisition. But a month later, when I followed up and asked them about it, there was actually better content retention among the music video group. It was stickier as opposed to the kind of boring, just the facts video group who had had a spike in learning, a spike in recall immediately after watching, but they had basically lost it a month later. So that was one lane of the research that I was doing. And then a couple other parts of, of my methodology were talking to teachers, um, you know, just reading the literature. And so I focused a lot about what is the right balance between teachers creating songs, about using songs that have been made by third-party professionals like vocabulary, or having students make the songs. And so I'm sure we can get into kind of the, the trade-offs of each of those because each has their costs and benefits. Let's do it. Let's jump into it. So what are the trade-offs and, and the benefits? I think most people who know stuff about education would say it's clear that you need to have the students making them because that's where the learning really takes place, right? That The, the act of creation, the act of uh, having to bang your head against the wall, doing the research to really understand it, then translating that into a new form. That's, that's what educational gold is made out of. So, so student creation is, is really what we're striving for, but there are some hazards to that. One is uh, if you're a science teacher or a math teacher or whatever, if you're a content specialist, it can be really tough to find the time in class or outside of class needed to do that at a really high level. Second of all, 
I've basically decided that it's not the type of thing you should be forcing students to do. Maybe it's an option, but a lot of students aren't aren't on their own accord drawn to the like nerdy science song creation. Um, and three, uh, let's say that a student writes a song, but they don't fully understand it. They might end up memorizing something totally incorrectly. So there's a quality control issue too. Um, there's also the issue that like they'll watch it a million times while they're writing and editing it, which is good. Uh, they'll show their friends, they'll show their family, but like oftentimes the quality isn't enough that anybody else really wants to watch it, right? They just don't have the time and the skills and the resources to make uh, a piece of media that other people would actually enjoy watching and would actually learn from. Um, teacher created songs like you and I have, have played around with, I think are really, really powerful because you get the quality control. It's perfectly tailored to your class. And like you said, even though you described it as selfish, I think that's, that's my philosophy of, of being an educator is if you're having fun, then the kids are more likely to be having fun. So I wouldn't consider it selfish at all. I would say it's, it's you bringing your full self to the class. Um, if, if, if your passion is music and you want to make songs about math or whatever, it's, a, it's not only a way for you to be more stoked about what you're doing, but hopefully if, you, if your interest and your passion overlaps with the students, it's actually a genuine way to connect um, on kind of a relationship level. And then you, you, all of a sudden you're talking after class about you know, songs that they heard on the radio or about artists that you guys like or don't like. Um, so I think that's a great one. And then the third party thing, you know, whether it's a science of Tom video or a vocabulary video, whoever, I think that's the least exciting, um, at, from an educational point of view, I think passively consuming someone else's song, um, that you don't know is like, can be a nice little blip of excitement for a couple minutes while you're watching it. If it's really, really, really high quality, really well done, really entertaining, maybe kids get so excited that they, they memorize the lyrics or they, what does that lyric mean? Man, I got to go learn up about cellular respiration so I can understand what he's talking about there. But I don't think that's, that's the norm. What do you think it is about? So, of course, your stuff is hip hop, vocabulary, massively successful company. I think now the last time I checked, they have in, in the fi upwards of 500 or 600 hip hop songs related to all sorts of all sorts of different disciplines. What do you think it is about hip hop per se? And I don't know if you had a chance to check out my stuff. My stuff is prime is more on the pop side, but what do you think it is about hip hop that is especially a conducive medium and seems to connect really well with kids? It's a good question. I think that part of it is that in, by 2017, hip hop culture has become pop culture. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of overtaken it. So it's just something that that most kids, regardless of their background, their demographic, whatever, can connect to on some level. Um, secondly, this is just a pure logistics thing. At least the songs that I make have a lot of content packed into them because I started making them for college classes. And just the pure number of words in a song uh, can really uh, limit how much information you can convey. And so if you want to convey the entire, every step of the electron transport chain and, and the Krebs cycle, um, a rap song just has straight up more words in it. So I think that's probably a huge part of it. Um, and that being said, I work with a lot of different kids from a lot of different backgrounds. And when I work with, with kind of the kids at the private school that, that I teach at, 
we start the class off talking about cultural appropriation and kind of the hazards of privileged kids who maybe don't authentically come from a hip hop background, some of the hazards of them writing songs in the hip hop genre or uh, mimicking stereotypes that they have encountered. So I think hip hop uh, has a lot going for it as an educational tool. I think especially uh, I'm hugely influenced by Dr. Chris Emden and kind of uh, taking hip hop education beyond rap. Um, but when we're, when we're focusing on just music, I think hip hop has a lot of power, but I, I wouldn't knock pop at all, especially if that's what students are connected to. Now, when you make hip hop music, especially the verses, right, you get a huge opportunity to include a lot of content when it comes to the hooks, are your hooks usually mostly also hip hop or rap, or do you ever involve students or even yourself to, to sing the courses? Yeah, so I uh, I've almost I don't know how many original songs versus parodies you've made, but I've almost exclusively stuck to like parodying a, an existing song, and so in most of those cases, the, you know, the hook is already part of the rap song, um, and a lot of those songs the the hooks are sung. Uh, I can't sing at all, so I've used that as an opportunity to uh, collaborate with people who can really sing, whether that's students or friends. Um, and I mean, I'm, we should talk about modern hip hop and, and the role of melody and mumble rap and all that. Um, but I think that the melody, the catchiness of the melody is pretty critical for one of the benefits of these songs, which is that it's stuck in their head. They're thinking about it when they're sleeping, when they hear a song on the radio that reminds them of it, instead of thinking about the actual content of that song, they're thinking about I squared analysis or whatever. So tell us a little bit about, I, I know there's something in your bio about next generation science standards, and that's a, a big initiative for you is getting teachers to understand that and, and embrace it. Can you tell us for people who are unfamiliar with that, like me, can you tell us what that's about? For sure. So this is, um, complicated man this world of education is really complicated but uh these standards have have been getting worked on for for many years uh states can opt in to them and then create their own so this is not like a top-down federal takeover of education these are uh written by states and it's and it's just a new way of thinking about science education that states can choose to be informed by and I think it's a really powerful way to think about it. Um, the biggest summary that I would, I would kind of, the biggest takeaway is that bad science teachers, which has been institutionalized in a lot of science education, focus on memorizing content and vocabulary and in a way that is completely inauthentic to what science is. If you talk to real scientists about what science is, they say it's this crazy meandering process where you're asking a question and then you get an answer, then you got to go get some data and then you got to bang your head against the wall because it doesn't make sense. And then you ask a different question. It's a messy, messy activity. Science is not a body of knowledge. It's not a set of facts. Science, the activity is informed by the models and theories and quote unquote facts that have been laid out um, by all of the scientists of previous generations. And so we're building on that past work. 
But if you teach it that way, if you teach it as like this is information handed down from high and this is how the world works, period, you're doing such a disservice to science, the process, and kids are going to hate science because that's a really boring way to teach. So the NGSS tries to say, okay, yes, we need to teach this content, but you need to intertwine it with science as an activity. And you need to intertwine it with these huge cross-cutting concepts that apply across all the different domains of science. And we'll, you'll see them every single year, K through 12. So things like systems, you'd be thinking about systems every single year and every single science content. You'll be thinking about um, structure and function. So these huge themes emerge. And, and my, it, that really aligns with my educational philosophy, which is that any given piece of content is pretty unimportant in the scheme of a kid's educational experience. But like the big fundamental ways of thinking about the world and the themes that you've repeated year after year after year after year that they've been grappling with and building on and getting more nuance and complexity, that's what really matters. And so these next generation science standards kind of codify in a somewhat complicated and frustrating way um, all of that really exciting science pedagogy. That's interesting because I spoke to a, a, a mathematician who's also a professor, man, it was almost a year ago on the podcast. And I'll put a link to, to that show as well in the show notes. But it, he said much the same about mathematics. In fact, he discussed yep. the disconnect between being a classroom savvy mathematician as a, at, where there's a lot of attention to detail and precision and so on and so forth. And then what it's like to be a professional mathematician and actually, again, asking big questions, trying to answer them, trial and error, so on and so forth, and how there can actually be – sometimes people may go through the education system and think they're not a good mathematician based on those standards but actually would be phenomenal mathematicians, professional mathematicians because of their thinking and reasoning. So that's that's really interesting. And, of course, science and math, they're one and the same. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, if you have look for parents that are out there listening, parents and students that are out there listening, let's say they're right now in a education system that isn't going with this new system and is quite rigid and formulaic and very memorization based. Do you have any advice for them as to how to get exposure to this, maybe what schools to look at or also what what extracurricular things they can do to have some experience with these types of protocols? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing that jumps to my mind is YouTube and the internet in general, because I actually, as a teacher, use other people's resources on YouTube all the time. If you, if a kid wants to learn something, if a parent wants to learn something, it is sitting there a few keystrokes away from you. All you have to do is want to learn about it. And like, we're living in this amazing moment where like all of this information, all of these skills, all of these activities, all of this amazing, amazing content and resources, uh, is just there waiting to be found. And, uh, it can be a little intimidating at first, but as you, as you explore various YouTube channels, things like crash course and, um, kind of depending on what you're, what you're looking for there, it runs the gamut from really school focused, like crash course, um, to really inquiry-based, really like let's go on an academic journey, uh, like Smarter Every Day uh, would be another one to take a look at. So yeah, I would say that most people have access to the internet, whether it's in the library or in their home. 
And if you can start to explore and find some of these, uh, whether it's YouTube channels or websites like code.org, there's all sorts of people, you know, Khan Academy creating free educational content. And so I think the task for parents and educators, and if your school is not doing this, then unfortunately it falls on you, task is to get your kids so amped about learning that they choose on their own to be using the internet to teach themselves stuff. And a lot of times that requires you to connect it to stuff they already care about. That's, that's part of the theory behind connecting it to music for me. But the same thing goes for sports, you know, any piece of culture that's relevant to students, you can, you can connect that to kind of these larger questions in the world that connect back to more quote unquote academic topics. Now, jumping back to music, I know you mentioned, let's say we have the three, the three parts split. You have one of the most engaging ways is for kids to actually get involved with the creation. The next is to have your own teacher, perhaps create the content. And mm-hmm. the third, and you said is maybe the least engaging is third party vendors like Flocabulary yourself, et cetera. But it seems to me that that's the most accessible in terms of, I mean, most, I think most kids, teachers aren't creating the content. Most kids, it's difficult for them. So in turn, in that realm where there is third party content, what are some of the, where are some of the places in terms of science that you would direct parents and students to go check out good music content? Oh, cool. So yeah, if you, if you, uh, if you've got a student who thinks songs about science are awesome, um, I would probably start out with acapella science. This is a, like this crazy genius savant singer guy up in Canada uh, who makes songs about science. They are incredibly impressive from a musical point of view because he's, he's doing like hundreds of vocal tracks to recreate pop songs. And then his lyrics, I guess the only, my only criticism of, of that, his body of work from a like parent point of view is that he go, he takes things to an extreme level of depth. So his, his most famous one was Bohemian Gravity, uh, which is Bohemian Rhapsody, but about uh, really advanced concepts of gravity. So a lot of that stuff is maybe a little too advanced, but it serves the function of like getting you amped and just impressed that there's a human being who can, who can create art like this. Um, I have to admit that I've, I've been in the game for long enough that I, I have quite a bit of content out there, either made by me or made by students, covering a lot of different science concepts. Um, and if you kind of dig around on my website, there's a, a list of every song uh, organized by topic. So let's say, you know, kids learn about photosynthesis in school. You can see the songs that my students have made around photosynthesis. Yeah, I don't know if you know the song uh, by Drake. Uh, what is it? I'm forgetting the original now. They know, they know, they know. Yeah, I love that song. Uh, yeah, so my students a couple of years back did they grow, they grow, they grow <laughs> about a photosynthesis, which is which is a hit among a lot of a lot of schools that I go to. So that's another place to check it out. Um, you, you, the, a lot of YouTubers have experimented with with making songs. Um, I think. Uh, what are they called? ASAP Science makes really, really cool, captivating uh, kind of whiteboard animations. And those those two guys who are behind the whiteboards have, have made a few songs that are pretty popular. Um, but yeah, I'd say that, does that, does that kind of answer your question? Oh, absolutely. So all, those, all that stuff, all those great recommendations will be in the show notes. Another resource, this is not on the music side, 
but it's another guy I interviewed a few weeks ago. His name is Dave Farina. Have you heard of this guy, Professor Dave? Professor Dave, is he based in Southern California? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I saw him at a VidCon. Yeah, so he's, I mean, he's now, I think he's got 80,000 subscribers plus on his YouTube channel. And you you yourself have a really successful YouTube channel. It, correct me if I'm wrong, it's in the 14,000s or 15,000s, is that right? Yeah, 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 hovering around there. I try not to dwell too much on the numbers because I'm hanging with a lot of people who are <laughs> a lot more subscribers than me. But uh, but yeah, that's it's nothing to sneeze at. To me, it's huge. To me, that's massive. Because yeah. I'm still, I started my YouTube channel a year ago, and I'm still, I'm about close to 900. So to me, that's amazing, and I think that's a big congratulations. I want to talk. Yeah, well, thanks, man. Oh, of course. I really quickly, I want to just chat about your appearance on the Meredith Show and me, Little John. <laughs> like, how did that come about? Dude, that was a surreal experience. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these. A lot of these videos, especially the ones I've made with students, have have been picked up by national media. Uh, the Watson and Crick versus Rosalind Franklin rap battle got a lot of attention. Um, There's like an ABC News piece that covered a lot of them. So I think some producer at the short-lived Meredith Vieira show must have seen one of those and said, "Oh, we got to get we got to get this science rapper guy onto Meredith's show. He's a teacher. He makes songs." Maybe, you know, so so they kind of convinced me to come out to New York to be on the show. This was, you know, week three of the sh- a brand new show existing on on uh, whatever channel it was on. And um, they had me because of copyright issues, which we haven't even talked about yet. They're like, look, man, we can't have you do a parody. You got to write an original song for us. I'm like, oh, man, I got to write an original song. So I, I put together something about climate versus weather because I think that was like i'm talking to the masses on a national media landscape that's a very very uh basic and very very critical and very misunderstood uh definitional thing you know whether is uh what's what's the one of the lines from the song is uh weather's what you get and climate is what you expect or something like that basically like climate is the average of all the weather over uh, you know, months and months and months and weather is like the thing you see out there today. Um, so anyway, so I wrote a song about that. I get there, I'm chilling in the like green room, pretty nervous. I've never done like a, a, a TV appearance of this scale before. And the producer comes in a couple seconds before I'm about to go on there. And she's like, um, uh, just a heads up. You may be interrupted, uh, during your performance. Just, uh, just wanted to let you know, uh, we want you to be surprised. But uh, be prepared for that. And she didn't say what I would be interrupted by. And so then I get out there. I'm doing it. There's like this little dog on stage yapping at me. It was a it was a very interesting show. And I get like three quarters of the way through the song, and then the music stops. And at the top of the the audience, Lil John pops out and's like, "It wouldn't be a party without." Lil John, and then he runs down, and supposedly he's been prepped on my lyrics, and so he's like finishing the music starts back up and I finish the song and he's like doing backup vocals for me uh, or at least trying to. And yeah, that was a surreal, surreal experience that, uh, that I'll never forget. That's so cool. And I know you have a link to that on your website. So again, guys, I will have all of Tom's information in the show notes and then you can check out his website and check out that video. Cause that was really cool. Uh, and I saw that about a week ago and it's amazing. 
Uh, Tom, I think we've had so much good information and so much good stuff. So I really, I really want to appreciate or want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And if you want to, can you give the URL to your website? Sure. Scienceoftom.com. Easy to remember. If you want to contact me, you can uh, use the contact part of that website. I've actually, you know, I'm, I'm actually a 50% time eighth grade science teacher. And then the other half of my time is how I have time to kind of work with kids at other schools. I do live shows. I've been making videos for hire for various science nonprofits. Um, so I'm kind of trying to figure out how to uh, make this side of my life sustainable. So if anybody here in this wants, wants uh, to collaborate, get at me. Awesome. All right. So there you guys have it. Again, Tom, thank you so much for joining. And one more time, if you guys want to check out all this information in written form, go to the show notes at scalarlearning.com. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. New episodes drop every Monday. And as well, if you haven't checked it out yet, go to the our YouTube channel, Scalar Learning. Just go to YouTube, uh, type in Scalar Learning, and you can check out all of our walkthroughs for SAT, ACT problems, all that good stuff, and our own collection of math and music videos. Thank you guys so much for joining, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar learning. Give me that scalar.